Are you ready to be the best that you can be? Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guest as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity podcast. Hello and welcome to Create Clarity with Charity. Today, I have an amazing guest. Yes, Corday Albi is here. He's the CFO of a major manufacturing firm in Portland, and he's also the chair of an amazing nonprofit, and he has a lot of insight and um, leadership skills that he wants to share with you guys. So welcome, Albi. I mean, Corday, sorry. (laughs) Thank you, Charity. Um, no, Alibi's fine as well. It is my name. So yeah, either one. Yes. We'll start with your four on first name basis here, sir. So yes. we'll go with Carday. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know as a CFO, there's not a lot of time for small talk and chit chat and all that kind of stuff when you're leading a big corporation. So I appreciate your time, sir. This is an awesome opportunity for my audience um, to hear from you. Thank you for having me, Charlie. You're welcome. Cool. So let's talk about this. I mean, you're a little different than my um, regular podcaster, but you do stem from business and you do know a lot about leadership. You may not want it to be the CEO of your own firm, but you've sit in many positions of authority and leadership. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, in a way when it comes to team building and leading and things like that. Absolutely. So I think we'll still get a lot of value out of what you're saying on my young entrepreneurs and my entrepreneurs, my startups, they will, they will be able to find some value in this, I'm sure. So let's start, let's start on the journey of you coming into this leadership style that you have. That's very very strategic um, about, you know, being fair and harmonizing and, you know, creating emotional intelligence. Um, let's go all the way back where some of these main things um, were instilled in you at a very young age. Sure, absolutely. Um, again, I'm humbled to be here and thank you for having me today. Um, well, I, um, I was born in Nigeria in West Africa. Um, I spent my first 18 years um, in Nigeria. Uh, I was born to a mother who was uh, is an accountant, um, and also my father was uh, was an architect. So they were both professionals. Um, mm-hmm. And my father since passed about four years ago, but uh, he instilled um, just a lot of simple life lessons in me. Um, I watched him. He was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started his own architectural firm in the 70s um, and built a firm that became, at one point, it was the largest architectural firm in the country uh, for about a 25-year period. Oh, wow. um, and it all started from nothing. Uh, and he came from a very, very uh, poor background financially. So he, he was self-made. Um, but he kind of instilled like just humbleness and the ethic of just hard work 
Um, I learned from him. Um, he was a very simple individual. Um, and he was not a business person. He was an artist. Uh, my father was a technician and very much um, in the mold of a traditional architect where he wasn't very interested in the you know, business side, if you will. Mm-hmm. He liked to draw and he liked to um, construct just beautiful designs. Um, and uh, my mother was where I kind of got my uh, business side from because she was an accountant. Um, mm-hmm. She stopped practicing after she had like the third child. But um, I think that's where my curiosity and numbers comes from is, is mm-hmm. from my mom. Yeah. Well, good thing they instilled that in you because, you know, it's, it's not an easy profession. So there must have been a lot of joy and things that you admired about it as a young boy, you know, that kind of encouraged you to go into that in your adulthood, right? No, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I think I, the creative side was, I found out very early that that wasn't necessarily my forte. I actually went and spent a summer as a very young teenager. Uh, working at my dad's firm um, and I found out very quickly that um, being an artist and and designing was not uh, in my future plans Um, I was more drawn to numbers um, kind of you know what what what's behind metrics and kind of how do things add up Um, so I was just more drawn I think yeah with just through conversations with my mom um, and watching her kind of um, be kind of the household accountant, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was more- Kept your dad more, all together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know how she balanced it, having two, you know, two young kids back then, but um, I was just more drawn to that side um, of, of life. Um, Lovely. So they also, you know, took time to- you know, really instill some good principles, strict principles um, in you when you're younger. Tell me about the, you know, your upbringing with the military school and the, and the missionary school and some of the, sure. some of the leadership skills that you, or things that help drive your passion for what you're doing now from back then. Absolutely. Um, so my, yeah, my, my parents, um, especially my dad, I was a very practical person and he, um, when I was, you know, when we were all young, um, my dad thought, oh yeah, these kids needed some structure and and some discipline. Um, We weren't, I wasn't a bad child, but yeah, like all kids, you know, I I would throw temper tantrums once in a while um, and could get distracted uh, from time to time. So my dad thought it would be a good idea uh, when I was young. Uh, basically at the age of around 10, um, he thought, you know, sending him to a boarding military school might be a good thing, uh, just from, um, from a discipline um, and structure and accountability side of things. So off I went, they shipped me to an Air Force military school in a, in a town called Jos, Nigeria, um, as a young 10-year-old. Um, and it was a five-year program um, where you were basically a military cadet in training. Uh, so the school 
was twofold. Uh, you had academic classes um, like a regular school would, and then you had military classes uh, and military drills. Um, very early on, I, I learned how to make my bed. Right. Uh, very early on, I learned how to, you know, uh, wake up really early in the morning um, and, um, you know, make breakfast, um, clean the rooms, kind of sweep the floors around you, uh, clean bathrooms. Um, so there was some really good uh, practical life um, experiences. Mm -hmm. um, that were instilled uh, through through that military school. You experience. still make your bed every day. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, yeah, I, I yeah. still do. I still do. I you know stop. how bad a day will go when you don't make your bed. <laughs> I know, I know. I it, the day doesn't feel like it's it started till two things happen for me. I make my bed and then I have coffee. Yeah. Uh, then I feel, yeah, I feel like, okay. I love that. I thought I was the only weird one. Like I literally like, well, OCD over that. And I didn't go to military school, but my grandmother was always like, make your bed first thing in the morning, you know? And she like, fold it like this. I mean, I'm not Absolutely. as meticulous, but I still make the bed. So sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. It puts you, it puts you in this frame of mind of kind of structure, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it starts yeah. your day off like, okay, I, I have, you know, I have some structure and I, I you know, um, I, I'm doing something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So those are, those are great. Those are, there's some great experiences there. Um, unfortunately as well, being in military school, um, the, the individuals that were a year ahead of you or two years ahead of you, uh, you had to respect them. You had to call them sirs because they were your seniors as well. Mm. And they could also um, punish you as well if oh. they felt, yeah, they could discipline you um, mm. if they felt you weren't obeying orders or, you know, you, you were out of line on something. Mm -hmm. um they could all they could discipline you so it wasn't um, like coaching and mentorship it was more disciplinary it, correct it was more discipline it was more discipline um and some of it got out of hand mm -hmm. uh which was why I eventually left um mm -hmm. after two years of military school um my my parents felt um that the discipline side of things uh, wasn't necessarily very constructive um, yeah because you know more like abusive possibly yeah potentially abusive and, mm. and so that was why they well good to, parents to take you out right because yeah. i mean i've heard horror stories where they're just sent away to boarding school for like five years and all kinds of crazy happen and their parents wouldn't believe them and they just pretty much wanted to off their kids so at least yours cared to bring you back and say okay, no they 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 did because uh my mom would visit uh, once a quarter, roughly, mm -hmm. and she would see me all disheveled. Um, um, you know, my clothes not properly ironed, and my hair like you know not not um, in the right place and disheveled. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so she knew something was wrong. Um, it wasn't bettering you. It Jeez. wasn't bettering me overall. Net, it wasn't a net positive from that side of things. So. Um, so she actually whispered into my dad's ear that, um, I'm not sure he's really enjoying this experience, even though he's getting, 
Um, he's picking up some good traits. Um, mm. Some standard training and core, core values and activities we should all kind of embrace, but exactly. it, it wasn't fulfilling and like coaching or mentorship, like a lot of things we hope that we could get our kids involved in at a young age so they can evolve, right? <laughs> exactly. Like... It was, there, was, there was just some, <laughs> some destructive sides to it uh, just from the <laughs> discipline side um, that they thought, oh, maybe he's too young or, you know, that those could be lasting impacts that might not necessarily be good right. uh, for, for a constructive mindset. Well, and when is violence good, right? Like we all know that now that discipline and violence Mm -hmm. is not a very good combination, like old school, you know, the rod, you know, everyone beat their kids and then be okay. But that's really not the best. Absolutely. Yeah. Because when it gets physical, then, you know, um, especially at that age, um, it, it, it might not necessarily be the best. Um, yeah. So then they took the heart centered approach and say, Hey, oh, well, maybe we'll go with the more Christian missionary approach, right? Maybe God yes. and having a good foundation for that. And, and yeah. so you went to a different school that instilled probably more kind practices. Yeah. And, um, and there was still a lot of accountability um, in, in the missionary school that I went to, but that honestly, the missionary school is called Hillcrest high school. Um, actually Hillcrest, it had a elementary, middle and high school. And it's still, I would say till today, it's still the best experience of my life. Oh, wow. Um, because I, I went to Hillcrest, basically, I went back a year. Um, I repeated a year, and I started in sixth grade. And Hillcrest was a school in the middle of Nigeria in the city called Joss. And Hillcrest was a missionary school, it was a boarding school. Mm-hmm. So it was run by Western missionaries from the US, from Europe, um, different denominations, the Baptist, the you know, Christian, Catholic, Christian Church, everyone. Um, everybody, mm-hmm. um, Lutherans. Um, so you had kids, you had kids from probably 30 to 40 different countries oh, in wow. the school. So it was, it was international. Yeah, it was very international. It was kids of like diplomats. It was kids of the missionaries who were serving in Nigeria mm-hmm. or other parts of West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was the kind of the local Nigerians who, you know, uh, took the exam and could get into that school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very neat structure. Um, nice. it so built you confidence eyes. and made you feel like you're part of something great and more. Yeah, it, it did. And it also opened my eyes to just different cultures at a very early age. You know, nice. here I am growing up in, in, you know, West Africa and being exposed to kids from Seattle, Washington. Oh, uh, yeah. Portland, wow. Oregon. Yeah. Uh, kids from Denmark. You know, oh, cool. kids, kids from California, kids from, you know, um, Syria and Lebanon and kids from just all, all parts of the world. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it actually, I would say it was my first exposure to seeing that human beings are really more similar than they are dissimilar. Mm-hmm our interests are very, very similar. And what we want out of life is very similar. Mm-hmm. And with an open heart, 
with a little bit more curiosity, um, we're all very much the same. Mm -hmm. um, and that experience at Hillcrest, being in boarding school for six years with all of these kids from all over the world, with different cultures, different religions. We had kids in our school that were actually Muslim yeah. um, as well. Um, so different cultures, different religions. Um, it, it humbled me and also was a great revelation that um, we're really one yeah. um, as human beings. Um, and what a gift to have that at such a young age. That's what we need to be doing right now with our students instead of dividing them, bringing absolutely. them together. And then when they graduate, we won't have all this division and, and all this craziness that's going on. And, you know, uh, no, you're right. Charity. You're absolutely right. And, um, and these are kids that I'm still very much in touch with today. Oh, cool. uh, you know, we have like WhatsApp chat groups and um, other types of forums that we still kind of relate to each other and, and you know have conversations. Oh, what a blessing! Um, so yeah, many don't have it's, that. It's, That's it's, wow. It's been a great uh, blessing. So you get to mentor that. each other and, and be there for each other and nurture each other all through life. Absolutely, and, and that experience in that missionary high school middle school taught me that uh a lot of things are possible in this world regardless of what your background is mm -hmm. um it really showed me that um we if, if we focus on what makes us like the same um what makes us similar um that's a whole lot more powerful than some of the divisive things we, we tend to see and hear in our society. Um, yeah. It also, you know, just showed just the power of um, being more humane with each other, if you will, and connecting with each other on a, just a human level, mm -hmm. regardless of what your background was. On a heart-centered level, it's about universalism and, and not being so critical about ourselves and others, right? And being accepting and and taking out all the filters and all the societal norms and judgments and all that and and looking at people at face value right you're absolutely right i'm being curious right yeah. um having differences of backgrounds cultures experiences that's a good thing mm -hmm. um and and being you know being at hillcrest taught me about just being curious asking questions trying to understand you know, I remember my uh, girlfriend back in high school when I was at Hill, she was Muslim. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, her father was, you know, in, in a general in the military in Nigeria and sent her to that school. And uh, she was of a different faith than I was, but uh, we became close friends and dated through high school and mm -hmm. um, uh, didn't, um, you know, the fact that she was Muslim actually just pick my curiosity about, you know, that really about Islam and learning, you know, mm -hmm. oh, why do you fast and what's behind that? And things yeah. Like that. And why the hijab and, the hijab yeah, exactly. and, you know, can we date, can we hold hands? Oh no. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's very different and to like yeah. be able to experience that at that level at that young age. And yeah, it is, is a real gift. And you took that with you into your corporate career. Like you, you've done some Absolutely. amazing things. You, came to the u.s very young 18 like mm -hmm. fresh right you didn't really, yes. you didn't really know what 
what to expect, but with that guidance and that, that, you know, um, missionary school and, and values, you came here with the open heart and, and you came to win. So let's talk about that. Cause you did, you did some amazing work while you were here. You got your degree in finance and accounting, right? Absolutely. Um, so I came here, um, after, uh, graduating from high school, I went to a missionary college, actually a Christian college in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, called Calvin College. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was affiliated with my school back in Nigeria. Um, it was a school that was run by the Dutch Christian Reformed Church, um, and that school, the college, still exists. It's a great uh, liberal arts college in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I went there for I was supposed to go there for four years, um, but I ended up going there for two years and then uh, transferring to the University of Michigan. Um, that's no easy feat. Good luck no, getting that in there, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Michigan. Yeah, at all A's, you had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mi- Michigan student, is known that's for as sure. a, a very challenging academic <laughs> environment. Um, it's uh, an all-purpose school, as I like to call it. They're great in sports, great in academics. Um, so. Um, I, yeah, I wanted to challenge myself and go to a school like that and kind of also broaden my horizons and have a more, um, enriching experience in the U S. So, uh, University of Michigan, uh, was a, was a great place to do that. Um, I also had a brother who was at school there as well. Um, so, um, I used to go up there and visit and, um, so, yeah, so I ended up uh, going to Michigan and then studying business um, as well, kind of following in the footsteps of my mom and being curious about numbers. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So with that, with that being said, I mean, you leaped out with your degree. You got an MBA. I um, I got my uh, BBA from uh, University of Michigan, and then I uh, did a graduate program there as well. Correct? Awesome. And then you went to Big Corp. <laughs> then I went to Big Corp, which is uh, a whole different proposition. Correct. Yes. I don't think they teach you the skills for that in college, actually. The, the interpersonal skills. I mean, maybe the problem-solving skills, you know, the debits, the credits, the understanding financial savings. Like, you get the foundational Correct. stuff. But the, the office politics, the... The, the wild ride, the, the corporate ladder, the, the glass ceiling, all these things that a lot of us entrepreneurs experience as well. But you, you've had an amazing career in corporate and love it and still thrive there because yes. that's what you're still doing. But yes. it wasn't always a lovely experience, right? I mean. No, it wasn't an easy transition. I mean, I, you know, Michigan having a great academic background uh, taught me a lot of kind of the technical foundations, you know, the basic, as you mentioned, debits and credits and, and you know, just kind of uh, honing in my technical skills. But um, I went and uh, I got an opportunity with American Airlines in Dallas, Texas. It was more of a training program, like a practical training program where I rotated into different departments, um, purchasing food and beverage, um, asset management. Um, and that was, you know, that was a neat experience. Um, so did that. And then um, as a junior analyst, if you will, um, and uh, General Electric 
came calling. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody got a hold of my resume and contacted me about uh, a position with uh, GE um, mm-hmm. in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, with a, uh, GE Rail was the name of the company. And um, they also at that time promised to help me with my green card uh, process as well. Uh, so it was a, a, a pretty compelling um, opportunity. Uh, GE also had a great reputation in those back in those days as well as being like a great technical training ground. Um, Six Sigma was a hot thing back then. And, you know, um, so uh, there are lots of, you know, just skill sets that um, I wanted to learn. Um, yeah. So I, I jumped on that opportunity and uh, ended up being a GE for nine years um, in progressive roles. Um, I started out in Pennsylvania, then I came to Oregon, and then I was in India also for a short time, uh, oh. helping set up a shared service uh, there. Um, so I, I spent nine years in GE in mm-hmm. different progressive roles. But that wasn't necessarily the best foundation for the type of leadership that you kind of had experienced in your missionary school and at school and the camaraderie amongst you know all the international students and everyone being of that one mind kind of one heart kind of thing it was more like authoritative yeah um it was well it was being run by Jack Welch when I was there for most of my time there um and then Jeff Emmel took over um and uh, Jack was known for, you know, uh, instilling discipline, um, Six Sigma approach to solving problems. Um, it was relied on a lot of positional authority in terms of influencing and getting things done. Um, wow. Some people would call it kind of the old school mentality, if you will. Um, yeah. It was about the bottom line. It was about results. Um, So there's some positive things there, right? In terms of, you know, being focused, disciplined, focusing on outcomes and trying to get positive outcomes. Um, But a lot of it was not uh, really based on a, what I would call a constructive, engaging culture. Uh, It was more if you will, fear-based, positional authority-based. Um, yeah. And um, you just learn to adapt um, yeah. you know, at that time. Yeah, and that's, I mean, especially in positions of power when you're dealing with billions of dollars and mm-hmm. you know everybody's bonuses are on the line and the KPIs are driving everything and the net profit margins, Absolutely. all that matters. It kind of gets like Absolutely. into this this like soulless like thing, right? That we have yeah, to do every and, day. <laughs> absolutely. And at that time, at that time, I had no idea that there was uh, another way to do things or another way to still get positive results, you know, that could be maybe more constructive, more engaging, more of a positive um, experience, if you will. Yeah, um, like kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And that's what you kind of thrive on now. Like you, you, you spent your time in the box and that corporate gauntlet kind of like, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's, they already have it all constructed for you. Like you can't really mm-hmm. reform or re engineer an entire corporation, but you can at ground level, 
if they give you the authority to right? like mm-hmm. what you're doing now, which is amazing because you're the, the VP, right? Yeah, so, right now I'm the CFO slash executive vice president. Correct. Yeah, and so they're giving you a lot more freedom and bringing in the, you know, quality management style that nurtures the human spirit mm-hmm. that connects people with communicating better who gives them better workplace it's not just focus on net profit margins and kpis but i mean those are all very very relevant you know in business you have to have those kind of benchmarks yeah. but it doesn't mean everything actually the quality of the culture is more important and people enjoying their jobs and enjoying their life while being there right you're absolutely right i think you know, one way to say it is, you know, in my GE and even my Vestas, which was a com- the other, you know, public. Oh, companies. you're coaching. That's right. Because you're big yeah, on coaching. You invested in, in yeah. this, right? Yeah, I would say that in my public company experience, it felt like it was profits led to culture. Mm-hmm. But um, in my more recent experience, you know, over the last, you know, seven to eight years, it's more about, you know, the culture leads, you know, to the profits, yeah. leads yeah. to better performance. So it's, it's, it's ensuring you have that right culture, uh, the right core values, if you will, yeah. um, the right mission, uh, the, the right teams, uh, the right folks um, in the right seats, if you will. But it's about the culture. If yeah. you have the right culture, um, you you foster an environment where people want to show up, people want to perform, uh, people are happy doing what they're doing. I mean, we all have challenges from a day to day basis. It's it's not all kumbaya through you know throughout your whole experience. But um, if you have the right foundation, um, it it allows you to kind of uh, build success um, on a more regular basis and enjoy what you're doing. Um, yeah. So, and then I think that that's that was a difference I think between my GE experience and the experiences I've had in the you know uh, later parts of my my career is yeah. it's flipped the other way where it's it's the culture that leads to the performance and not the other way around. Yeah. So listeners out there, as you know, that's kind of what I focus on here is that heart-centered entrepreneur, but he's really taking that into heart-centered corporate environment, which is a lot harder because then you have bigger teams and then the upper CEOs and everyone has to be on board, the board members that with this cultural shift, with this freedom and expression and being able to wear your hair like you want it, you know, Mm -hmm stop all the inequality and unjust practices in HR and, and just clearing the deck and coming mm-hmm. with the solutions, right? Instead of just continuing on the, the path of whatever was working, it wasn't really working. Um, Absolutely. So I love that you're a change maker and that you're really in there doing what matters because not only that, you're giving back. So you're that heart-centered leader that goes into corporate and says, hey, we need to have a little more you know, understanding, better communication, more, you know, more surveying on how well the people are feeling, not necessarily measuring how well the profits are right now. And, and also taking that back to our kids. So mm-hmm. you're the chair mm-hmm. of an amazing program that really gives back as well. And it's just, it's just awesome. Cause I had a big sister too, when I was in sixth grade, um, 
who would take me swimming and stuff and pick me up and take me to. Oh, that's great. You know, and I'll always remember those moments (laughs) of how special I felt, you know, to be part of an organization that's instilling this coaching kind of mentality, the mentorship and at a young age and how important that is. Let's talk about that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and that's, you know, it's, um, I, you know, as I've kind of uh, progressed and um, built what I would call my, uh, you know, emotional intelligence IQ, you know, um, kind of just focusing more on uh, how you influence in a constructive way and how you you know, create more equity in our society and how you balance out things, um, which should never be done at the expense of performance. It goes hand in hand. They all need to tie together. But um, yeah, there's been more of an emphasis for me on equity and helping um, and, and kind of giving back um, and trying to provide some kind of structure for, you know, kids that are in challenging situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've all heard it. Kids are obviously, uh, they're the future, they're the future employees, they're the future leaders, um, they're the future C-suite, uh, future changes of the world. And, you know, we have a lot of kids that are in despair, um, even pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and uh, kids just that are growing up in structures that I didn't have to grow up in. And now I didn't even realize, realize how lucky I was to have two engaging professional parents um, mm-hmm. who, who had, you know, the best interest of, of their kids at heart. And um, over the years, I've, you know, obviously come in contact with just kids in challenging situations. And um, it got me curious and, and I got involved with the Big Brother, Big Sister organization um, that provides uh, mentorship to you know, middle school kids and high school kids. Um, and uh, these mentors become like, you know, lifelong coaches uh, for yeah. these kids. These are long-term relationships, you know. Um, they're not one or two-year relationships. And um, I found that, you know, this was just a neat, great organization that was doing something in the community that I feel is much needed, mm-hmm. um, especially at this time with you know mental health challenges with you know kids just kind of being in challenging situations on, on the home front um yeah. and i've you know i've had one or two kids in my life experience who are no longer with us um unfortunately who i think about um uh, back when i was in school at michigan there was a you know teenager who was a cousin of a close friend of mine who, at university of michigan and um, he didn't have the right mentors and, you know, got involved with a bunch of things and uh, was murdered, unfortunately, in, in, um, in Michigan. And I keep thinking about him and, wow, if he was in a big brother, big sister organization um, and had the right mentors, uh, his path in life would have been completely different. Yeah. So um, it got me engaged and involved with the big brother, big sister organization. And I've, That's so I've awesome. Since, yeah. I love that. That's the, that's the key, you guys, audience, you know, even as young kids getting coaches and mentorship at a young age, the ability to re-steer someone from the wrong path to the right path, or just to be an influence to get them to go a little bit this way can save them from a lot of heartache and challenge. And, you know, even 
if there's anything that we can do to help facilitate something like that in our, in our heart-centered leadership path. And so that's why I brought you on. You're a little different. I, I, I like that we're in the same, you know, um, field for a career that we're kind of, you know, in the finance accounting world, but you also yeah. have that heart-centered leadership style. And there are a lot of like benefits from evolving into that. Cause it, like you were saying, yeah. you didn't always feel that way. It was a, mm-hmm. you didn't know any different. You were in corporate so long. That's just yeah. what drove everything. That's just how it was. Yes. But now you have this more heart-centered approach of camaraderie and culture and giving back and instilling all this wisdom in, in the youth. And uh, I, I just, I just love that. And so you're just a good <laughs> example for everybody. And, um, we're, we're running out of time here, but I know you have some amazing quotes and maybe some last words for our guests, encouragement on, you know, getting, getting some key leadership skills, anything you'd like to tell them? Um, you know, I think my, there's a lot of, I've read a lot of books, uh, five dysfunctions of a team, how to be a great boss, um, radical condor, um, to name a few um, mm-hmm. that I've read recently and uh, lots of great lessons there about, you know, just, you know, managing and optimizing people and, and driving change in the right way. Uh, but I think my favorite quote is actually from my dad, um, who, uh, you know, one of the favorite things he used to say to me uh, was, um, think first, act second, uh, be curious about people and things around you mm-hmm. and then be kind. Yes. Um, that, you know, um, there are lots of other quotes that have influenced and shaped my progression, but, um, I always go back to, you know, architect, uh, Sunday Alibi and, uh, <laughs> those simple words, uh, that he said years and years ago about just, you know, think before you speak um, or before you offer up solutions. Um, be curious about things around you. Um, and that curiosity is what led me to live in different parts of the world. And then be kind. Um, you know, try to be of something bigger than yourself, if you will. Yeah. Um, have a mission, uh, a purpose driven life or mission driven life. Yay. Amen to that. Corday, thank you for that. And we all should live by that, that foundation. That's so key. I mean, um, yeah, think before you act like it's really, really intelligent to think before you speak as well. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So um, also, I just love that that I had the opportunity to interview you. Thank you for being on my show. And everyone, you know, if you're looking to do something, give back, look up the Big Sister, Big Brother program. You know, what is a weekend a month to change a kid's life? Literally, Um, we can all do that and feel super awesome about helping our future. So thank you for all those that insight and and wise words and. We'll keep in touch. Thank you very much, Charity, for having me. I appreciate your your time today. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right, everyone. Have a beautiful day. Ciao.
Are you ready to be the best that you can be? Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guests as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity Podcast.